Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Summer Felix Mulder. Summer, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. I'm excited to have Summer with us. Summer is a serial entrepreneur and an author. Uh, She's dedicated, as she says, to making the world a better place. Summer has been in the marketing arena for decades. She holds creative degrees from Pepperdine University, and she loves writing. She loves being a mom and all things marketing and storytelling. At her current company, The Draw Shop, uh, she develops, her and her team develop attention-holding whiteboard videos, and they're made for the world's best minds and companies. Uh, she's also the CEO and co-founder of Eden, a challenge-based app, and Clear Health Technologies, whose mission it is to end addiction relapse. She's also a podcaster. She's the host of the Get Genius Podcast, great podcast that I've listened to on iTunes. Summer lives in the San Diego, California area with her family. And today she's going to share with us her entrepreneurial journey, which is interesting. And also we're going to dive into this whole challenge that a lot of creative people have and that she had, which is how do you translate being creative to also being a successful business owner and often I hear that from people who are creative. They are, they're creative, but I'm terrible at the business side of it. Summer has been able to figure out how to do both, obviously, because he has multiple successful businesses. And so we're going to dive into that today. So with that said, once again, Summer Felix Mulder, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Lovely intro. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for being with us. And we had a minor technical issue getting started. So th- thanks for dealing with that, Summer, and being patient with me here. I know how it goes. <laughs> it's a part of the process. You're a podcast. Yeah. You're a podcaster, so you. Definitely I know. am. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get right into it. We're going to keep this one fairly shorter than than other episodes. You've got a time commitment, and I want to get to a lot of stuff here. But you studied writing in school and started corporate uh, study corporate communications, and then you end up doing that. You wrote a couple of novels, but then what caught my attention is very shortly thereafter you started Brevity Marketing, your first business. So tell me about that and how that came to be and how you decided to start that business. So um, after college, I I met a boy uh, who became my boyfriend. We then, we became engaged. We started a business and then we got married and had kids. But um, during that, our first business was, uh, was brevity marketing. We actually first started a business that was uh, helping people with their credit. And that turned into, huh. uh, the short version is that turned into teaching other people how to build their online businesses Ah, because we learned how to build an online business right at the start of the internet. And it was so uh, cool and intriguing and exciting how, you know, you could gain all these customers, get in front of a bunch of people. And with the use of copy and writing sales letters and emails, um, we really learned a ton in terms of marketing and selling a product and a service. So, that was that was that business, and then um, when we decided to get a divorce, is when we decided to sell our business and then go off and do our our own things. And I really made the choice to go back into what I really really loved, which was writing and storytelling. And I loved the part in business before of storytelling, just for writing copy and and getting messages out there. And I think I was still realizing and putting two and two together that, oh, 
wow, storytelling is so important when, when it comes to marketing because it keeps working. Every time you get a little vulnerable and share something about yourself, people seem to care a whole lot more and connect with you. And so I, I started writing some of my my own things. And really what happened was I, I got approached by a few people to write copy. So I wrote um, sales letters for um, other people's services and products, and that actually turned into me meeting a producer of infomercials Mm. who then asked if I could write copy for the infomercials. And I said, yes, of course I can. And that turned into me being on set and starting to direct infomercials. And then one day, a um, a product that we were filming, um, the the main uh, face of that product needed a book written because she was going to sell that book as well and give that book away to the first, you know, so many buyers of that product. And the problem was, is that book was not written yet. (laughs) So they had this beautiful cover of a book, a title, what it was about, but no content yet. And, um, you know, I, I had the, the producer look over at me and he's like, well, you can write, I bet you could write this book. And I was just at this phase in my life where I just said yes to everything (laughs) and it worked out well. It definitely, it definitely helps you fail and which in turn helps you learn a lot of lessons. So (laughs) it was a good thing. And then this is all under the the jelly roll, that, that business, or I guess that's what eventually ended up being called, right? Correct. Which by the way, jelly roll, if anyone's wondering, that was my, that's my dad's nickname for me. I thought there had to be a story. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, my dad, my dad calls me jelly roll. Um, so yeah, I, I started that actually, you know, kind of put me into this whole other career that I never thought that I would have. I wanted to write, but here I was now ghostwriting for other people. And I started getting, you know, references. I did a pretty, um, pretty decent job where other people started saying, Hey, you know, I need a book or you wrote a book for me. Can I, I want to introduce you to another author who needs a book. And, and it just kind of snowballed mm. to the point where I was writing four books at a time wow. in a matter of three months. And, you know, needless to say, you can't really scale that type of a thing when it's just you. So, you know, I was really in love with the whole, with storytelling and helping these authors connect with their audience through storytelling and through books and then writing copy for them and website copy and email sequences and all everything related to writing. And, um, one of, one of my, uh, clients had, uh, I had to go on a trip with him and I ended up, uh, meeting the vice president of a company that he was working for. And that turned out to be my business partner today. Mm. So we, we met those, Oh, I guess it was nine, uh, almost 10 years ago. And, um, we became, we became friends, but really we just kept seeing each other at the same type networking events. Mm. And one day, you know, we're just having this conversation and he, he says, I'm going to send you something. And he sends me this video and it's a whiteboard video of Dan Pink, um, doing his Ted talk. And so they transformed that Ted talk into an animation video and it's all with the hand drawing. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And I totally get what he's saying. And this is a complex, you know, discussion that he's having with this whole group. Like it was something that you would have to watch a couple of times to really understand what he's trying to say. 
but you got it just watching it that one time. And we both had the same idea. He was sending it to me because he's like, I think we should do this. I think we should partner up and do this for people. So I'm like, okay, cool. Can you draw? Because I can't. (laughs) He's like, no, but I know people who can. And he's like, but you can write. He's like, and I can film and I can edit. You know, we just kind of put all these things together. We're like, okay, with what I can do, what you can do, I think we can make this happen. And we started, you know, we set up a little studio in his garage. (laughs) And, you know, obviously it's, it's grown a ton since then, but just those first videos that we did got a lot of attention and it, it just kept growing. People just kept coming to us and we were making money before we even had to spend money. So it was pretty cool. That's amazing. So that's kind of, that's kind of the, the short version of the whole story. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an incredible story. And so you've grown the draw shop then by, by bootstrapping since then reinvesting in, in the profits. We reinvested the profits exactly for, for probably the first couple of years. I mean, you're always reinvesting profits, but um, for, sure. it was probably a hundred percent of it for that first um, maybe about six to eight months. It was just, let's put it all back in and let's, you know, invest in advertising. Let's um, sponsor conferences. Let's, make sure we're really getting out there. And it was a really, it was really good timing for us because it was something that was pretty new and not very saturated at the time. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we had one made for our little story about my background and my co-host's background. And I, I have a curious question. It seems like some of them are, are computer generated and not really drawn. Is that true? Is there a difference in in technique? Yeah, that is very true. And I would say those, um, those are the companies that are com- our competitors, because everything that we do is 100% custom. Nothing's pre-generated. Uh, it's not a template. It's all totally custom, and it's a real artist that we are filming and editing. Wow. Okay. How do you make that cost-effective, or is it a higher price point and meant for you know a higher budget to just like? Would a small business be able to afford one of your videos? You know, we have, I would say we are medium. So we're more expensive than the computer generated because of all of the effort that's being put in. We also have like top of the line copywriters writing your script and voiceover artists that you hear every day on commercials. So we've got an incredible team of of writers and voiceover artists and editors. Um, We have people that are at the startup level that are the mom and pop business all the way up to, you know, Twitter and Google and Bloomberg. So it's a range of, of who we work with. And, you know, for some it's, it's like, wow, this is, this is so inexpensive. And for those just starting out, like anything, it might be like, Hmm, this is going to be a little bit of an investment. But the main thing is, is, you know, we, we do make it as a very affordable. And that's our goal is because we just want it to work for you. We just want to get your message across and get people connected and with your service or, or your brand. Yeah, that makes sense. So you touched on that a bit there as you were telling the story of the journey. You, you obviously started as that classic solopreneur. You were a writer. You, you were doing all of it yourself and then had to grow, I think, when you started the Josh Up, although you did it maybe with Brevity Marketing. What I'm starting to want to understand is how you manage to go from you're the one producing it to having other people produce content. Yeah. Um, so in terms of in, in terms of if I'm understanding the question correctly, in terms of when I was writing copy at the beginning of the company and then. Yeah. And how, how you began to make that transition and letting go. Right. Because even when you 
started to draw oh, yeah. shop and it was just you and your partner in the garage, you had a you had probably a hundred percent control over the quality, although it sounds like you had to get an artist from day one. But now you've got multiple artists, multiple voiceover talents. How how have you been able to yes. make that transition, which a lot of people struggle with because it's never how they would do it. It's never, you know, to their standard and therefore they never grow beyond themselves. Oh, totally. There, there is, there is a learning curve with all of that. There's such a learning curve with letting go because when you do start something and it's your baby, it is hard to let go and trust that somebody else is going to care as much as you do and put in, you know, that extra time and quality like, like you would. But one really, you know, good lesson that I have learned and experienced is that the more that you can trust and let go, the more trust that those people and team members have um, from you, they are able to do their very best work. And so in our business, we have, you know, people on our team, we kind of are like, they kind of have an entrepreneurial mindset and it's almost like their little business within our business, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, we really like to empower them. And if, you know, they have a suggestion of a better way to do it, we are all about that because this is, you know, this is what they do and they're the expert at it. And, you know, when you're starting a business, you, there's things that you're really good at, but no one person is good at every single thing. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. You know, we're really good at a few things and then you find the other people that are really good at the other things. And then, you know, you, you make sure that you guys can work together and that you respect each other. So, but to really, to answer your question, there is such a learning curve when it comes to building a team and letting go. And, and early on, did you, did you struggle with that? Were you a control freak? Were you a perfectionist? Did those things create a challenge for you? You know, I think it's funny. There's a lot of things that I would call myself a control freak and a perfectionist about. When it comes to business, I haven't totally been, there is a little bit of a feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to hand this over to you. But it doesn't take long for me to to trust and let that person run with it because I, I know all too well that if I don't do that, it's just going to cause more problems. <laughs> yeah. I got to think that some of it, what you learned the hard way back when you were doing, you know, four books at a time that that you learned that that only scales so far, not to mention that you would soon burn out. Right? Oh, yeah. Talk about burnout. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there were so, so many things I was doing all myself at that time, too. You know, I'm managing my own appointments. I'm doing my own selling. I'm doing my own, you know, just all these things. So it was actually very refreshing and awesome to finally get to the point where me and my business partner were like, well, guess what? We're, we're making pretty good money now. We can hire a project manager or now we can outsource this part and we can outsource that part. And it was it's it's a very like, oh, wow, this is cool. And, you know, not all the time. That's another thing that you learn is that maybe one person that you hire isn't going to be the best person for that job. And so we, you know, a lot of the money that we have reinvested was in ourselves as entrepreneurs and going to, you know, signing up with different mastermind groups that we really connected with and making sure that we were not the smartest people in the room, that we were going to be in a room where we could learn from other people and see a different perspective on things. Because when you're so wrapped up in your day-to-day -day business, you, you forget that you can actually do things a different way that will probably be more effective and free up a lot more of your time so that you can be doing the things that you love and that you're really good at. Yeah, no, that's such a great perspective and insight. And I think as a creative, it's very easy to think I'm the most creative person here. But instead, what you got to do is understand that 
you might well and ideally hire people that might be better than you, more creative than you. And it also seems like you've learned that that's you talked about letting them be entrepreneurial. Is that a key you found to leading talent is you have to give them those freedoms? Yeah. You know, here's what here's what I've really learned and has really been so valuable to our company is letting people stay very simple in what they do, staying in their lane, basically. So sometimes people care so much about the business that they're going to ask you all kinds of questions about every single detail, you know? Um, And what we've learned is that you don't need to know all of those little details. What you need to focus on is what you bring to the table because otherwise I think it can get very overwhelming. There's definitely that base knowledge about how a business runs and and that whole foundation, but some people get so can get so worked up in what other somebody else is doing. And we've learned that if you can give somebody that power to be in charge of whatever it is that they're doing, for example, our art director, there are things that he is responsible for that nobody else is responsible for. And that is just what he does. And so he is the one that's on quality control when it comes to all of the artwork that's being done. Um, then there's project managers and there's some that are managing just the voiceovers. And then there's some that are managing just the copywriting. And it keeps the, it keeps people very focused and good at what they're doing and not getting overwhelmed. And I think it empowers them because they are the person that is in charge of that department. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't overstep those bounds very often, I suspect, either. No, no. And I mean, we haven't had to. I think in the beginning we we have. And there's always concerns, I guess, that come up. That's just like any natural business. And um, one lesson that Eric and I have learned is that your team, you know, most of the time is seeing a whole lot more than you ever see when you're, you know, in that leadership role. Um, you're kind of overseeing everything, but they are the ones that are in the nitty gritty of each, you know, each individual process that's happening. So it's so important to listen to them and understand what's going on. Otherwise, you don't really have, you don't really know because you can't be in every place all the time. So then, Summer, when it comes to managing the money, the financials, the financial planning, the forecasting, all those things, How did you learn to get good at that or did you partner for that or hire for that? Tell me about how you got to where you were able to manage a business well financially for the long term. So I think that's such a great question because I think most entrepreneurs are starting a business or wanting to start a business because there's something that they're really passionate about, something that they've always dreamed of doing. And more often than not, they hate the money part. (laughs) They hate the finances and that, uh, I don't want to do that business part. You know, it's like, Oh, I don't want to go through. And and what I I see is then they ignore it and it's a mess. And and then everything crumbles. (laughs) At best they manage by, well, I look at what's in the account at the end of the month and that's, you know, that doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the important thing is though, is there with every business, there are going to be some things you have to pay attention to, even if you don't love it. Um, I have found, I was one of those people where it's like, I don't really want to look at it. Can, can my bookkeeper just tell me, you know, what's up. Mm -hmm. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, is that when you're really, um, as, as I've, I would say in the, past or probably really having this business with Eric, I've actually come to really enjoy that part because 
it's really fun actually seeing what your ROI is on certain investments. And it's you you learn a lot. It's not my day-to-day practice, but it's really nice to be in the know. And so I I do what's kind of called um, like a daily minute money minute check. It takes takes a little bit longer than a minute, but it's more like, okay, where are we at? What are what are we spending on advertising? What's come in? Where, you know, how's the business flow? Check in with the team. How are leads? How are this? You know, just kind of like checking in on all of those different things. And, you know, when it comes to the money part, we do have, yes, we have an accounting team. We are partnered with the CPA. You know, we have people that manage those things that are way over our head, but we still have an understanding and we have those meetings you know, every month to see where we're at, where, where are the numbers? And I think it's really important whether you like it or not to know, because it really actually gives you a sense of freedom. It's kind of like that. It's better to just know where you're at than to just pretend like it's, you know, (laughs) I'll I'll just look at the end of the month and whatever's there, I'll take. It's like, you can't, you can't do that. (laughs) No, no, I agree. I agree completely. And so you're looking at those key metrics and I think what you touched on there at the end is exactly what I believe. And I think it's got to come for you in part for when you we're doing the credit repair because it's, I find that it's very similar to the way we treat our personal finances. When we're not doing well, when we're overspending, when we're in debt, we try to, we tend to ignore it. But as you mentioned, once we get our arms around it and put a plan in place, it's a sense of relief. And I think that translates to business as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It is so true. (laughs) All right. So, um, now, what do you enjoy most about being your own boss, about being an entrepreneur? What, what do you get the most out of? Hmm. So for me, it's really, I love connecting with people. I love meeting new people and learning from them and then implementing what I've learned into our business. So growing and strategizing about how we're going to grow our business really excites me. And The other part is starting something new. So Eric and I realized, you know, we're kind of jonesing to do some more things. And so a couple of years ago, we did do that with with two new companies because it's super fun to start a business from zero and grow. It's stressful. (laughs) It's challenging, but it's really fun. I mean, it's, it's like it's awesome. It definitely, we're, we get such a thrill out of it. And we've met so many incredible people through our business and really understanding what their stories and their messages are and what they're trying to get out. And it's, it's been pretty awesome and so cool. And we kind of like had to take a step back and go, well, what else is there for us? What, like, what else are we passionate about? Because now, you know, we've, we've got this business operating really well. We've got this amazing team and, while we are there and and we're working it, you know, a lot and overseeing everything, we're not having to be in the day-to-day grind. And so we have a little bit more freedom and time. And so we've definitely filled up that time now <laughs> with mm-hmm. with two new businesses. So um yeah, it's that's what's exciting to me is, is yeah, new no. things. And sometimes that's just within your own business is, you know, is it, is it time to bring on a new service? You know, what else can we do to bring more value to our clients? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's, and that's a great point, but I, I agree with you completely. I have the same challenge. I think when we launch a new business, when we develop a new business, that is a creative venture and that's what appeals to us about it. But great point that even within your existing business, you can still be creative and launch a new, a new, a new line, a new product, a new idea, a new concept, a new market. All those things can also be ways to, to be creative. 
Um, do you ever see yourself retiring in the traditional sense? No, never. It's funny. I get, I get asked that and it, me and my business partner always say the same thing. I just don't see myself ever retiring. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I agree. I, I'm the same way. I, the way I put it is as long as I can create, as long as I have the mental capacity to create, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so summarize for us. Uh, well, one question I wanted to ask that I had that obviously, as you mentioned, when you went into the space of creating these videos, animated videos, you were one of the first ones. Now <laughs> there's a thousand of them and that's, that's underestimating it. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you stay competitive? What, what is it that's different about what you do? So, you know, a lot of it is um, our our story and how how we brand. And so for us, it's really, it's not just about, hey, we can make these cool looking videos or we can do those things that you see that look like a whiteboard video. For us, it's really about creating videos that will have an impact on the viewer, that will act, make them take that desired action that you have. So it's the whole storytelling um, piece. Mm-hmm. And um you know, we really strive to bring the best of the best together to make that happen with our, like I was saying earlier, with our with our writers and our voiceover artists and our artists and editors and, um, you know, the, the whole entire team. It's so important. And we do, you know, we also study, we're all into brain science and the psychology of how, why these videos work. So that goes into the, the scripting as well. But then there's also the actual, you know, formula to how it's edited and how it matches the cadence of the voiceover, you know, how it looks like it's, it's drawing really quickly. And, um, but it's not just you know, time-lapsing it. There's some other secret things that that we do to make sure that when people are watching, they are engaged and they are paying attention. And we even went as far as hiring a neuroscientist on the team to mm-hmm. to help us with all of that and keep us updated on that. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because I got to think as you were explaining that that it can it can be where it can be a detriment if I'm busy figuring out or something's not right or it's not quite synced, then my brain is distracted with that, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yep. So who's your ideal client? Oh, so I'm thinking, I'm smiling because I'm thinking of so many of my favorite clients, but they're all so different. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask it this way. What, what is a good for a small business owner that, that has the budget for this? What is an example of something that I would apply my budget for this, that this really can help me in communicating what? So what's really important is when you come to us is knowing we love the clients that know exactly what they're trying to accomplish with this video. And it's not, you know, saving the world. It's literally just moving the needle, you know, like how are they like, what's that one thing that takes them to the next step? And so what is it that you're trying to accomplish here? Is it, is it a sale? Is it so that people actually understand what you're doing? Is it to get them to that next part in the sales cycle? Um, Is it to book an appointment with you? So just really being clear on what that is. Um, And it's, it's also for them to understand, you know, what value they are going to be bringing to their audience or to the prospect or whoever is watching that video. Mm -hmm. So we do, um, 
we actually take people through something that we call, it's a creative brief and it's about 20 questions. And we ask them all these, you know, really important questions on, well, why would, you know, what is the value that you bring or what are the top questions people have about what you do or why is it that somebody would go, you know, stand in line to work with you instead of somebody else who offers the same thing, things like that, that really get them to think. And why are people skeptical about you? You know, what objections do they have? Things like that. So, um, in, in, in terms of, you know, when are they ready to do that? I mean, I think, you know, there's, it, it's really understanding that next step that you're wanting to take, not just because it's cool, a cool looking thing, right. but really understanding what are you trying to accomplish? Where do you want to go? What's the next awesome thing that's going to happen for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes- and how can we, how can we accomplish that with the video? Right. That makes sense. And then the, the example you were giving about the Ted talk is, is another great way to look at it much more because of the visual effects that you can incorporate much easier for me to absorb that message that might've been, I might've had to listen to a few times if it was just a talk. Right. You know, it's amazing how many people you will lose when they don't understand what you do. Mm. It's, you know, and, and I think that that is what's so important. And so we always say, you know, make making messages impossible to misunderstand because you, I mean, I think we've all been there where you might watch a video or you see a commercial or you're reading something and you're like, but I still don't understand what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is it that you do? And that to me, it's like, oh, if you get asked that, it's like, yeah. it's it's a little bit heartbreaking and crushing. So the more that, you know, you can, however you do it, whether it's through video, your copy, and just, you know, your pitch of who you are in a conversation, if you can just always be thinking about how do I make this so that there is no way that they can misunderstand. Yeah. And just be understanding gives them that connection of like, oh, I get it. And when people get something, there's like this automatic feeling of connection. Right. And, but it's interesting when you go through this process and you help people go through this process of making it visual, you, you have to clarify those ambiguity, those areas of ambiguity and, and confusion so that you end up with something that's visually effective. So in going through the process, again, you go from what might've been very confusing, generic, uh, cliche written copy to something that actually communicates. Right. Exactly. And it's funny, a lot of a lot of clients will say, you know, I thought that this was what the video was going to be about. And after they finish that whole process, they go, this is actually what we need to do. And it'll be something yeah. that's a lot simpler. Yeah. And it's amazing. They'll go, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I actually, I, some people have actually decided to go through a whole rebranding process mm. based on going through that exercise. Yeah. Because they realize how other people might actually be looking at them and, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about it, but yeah, this is who my real audience is because some people actually, you know, don't really know who they're speaking to. You mm-hmm. know, they're just kind of throwing their, their stuff out there, but they're not, they don't have that avatar or that person in their mind of who they're speaking to, what problem they're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun. Fascinating. Great. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us. Um, we'll start to wrap it up here now, Summer, a book uh, that you've read recently that you would, or in the past that you've re- would recommend to us. Gosh, I've read so many books, but I will, um, I'll tell you what I recently just read on the plane. So I'm part of um, a group called Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan, and he he writes a, a lot of books and he does quarterly books. And one of his recent books was called The Game Changer, and it was all about your mindset. And it's, it's one of those books, like most things that he does, it was just a tool that really um, simplified <laughs> 
simplified the way that you can change your mindset and how we probably are guilty of, of, you know, kind of having a ceiling, um, even, even if we think we're not, um, so it was, I, I love his books and you, you can find his books at strategiccoach.com and get them there. But that was a, a recent, really like he calls it kind of an airplane read. You can just read it on a, on a quick flight. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> These are one of the ones he's, he's writing like for a year or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 My co-host David Begin is a strategic coach. I'm familiar with. Oh, okay. With oh, cool. Work. Yeah. Very cool. Absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for that recommendation. We'll have a link to it on the show notes page for this episode. And you can find that at the howabusiness.com. All right. Last awesome. two questions. What, uh, what's one or two things you would like us to take away from this conversation we've had today? Um, so that one that we just talk about is really, uh, being clear on your message and what it is that you do. Make sure people can't mistake what you do. Um, and, um, Knowing, you know, this, it, it sounds so business-like and less exciting, but don't be afraid to know your numbers and know what's going on with, with your finances. And it's a, it's a, it actually is a simple thing once you unveil that. And some of you are probably already doing it, but if you're not, don't be scared. <laughs> so if we could execute on those two things you just highlighted, um, yeah. our probability for success as small business owners would increase dramatically because that's that really is at the heart of it. How, how do we stand out? How do we clearly communicate to our target customer what it is that we have to offer? What's the value that we have to offer? And then we got to manage the business side of it, which is what we got into in that conversation of uh, you can't say I'm just creative and I don't know the numbers. And so I appreciate those insights. Oh, thank you. Where would you like us to go online to find out more about you and about the business? Uh, you can go for The Draw Shop. You can go to thedrawshop.com. We are also on Facebook, on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel where you can see a bunch of our videos, and you can also see those on our website. And then uh, more information about me, I am on LinkedIn as Summer Felix Mulder, and you can see some of the uh, other fun stuff I'm up to there as well. Excellent. Well, we'll have to convince you to come back on, talk about some other things. We didn't have time to talk about even your other ventures, but maybe we'll convince you to come back another day. Absolutely. So thanks for taking the time, though, to be with us today, sharing all these stories and backgrounds, some great insights, great takeaways. I appreciate the time and your sharing your knowledge today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. This is Henry Lopez, and this is the How of Business. My guest today, again, was Summer Felix Mulder. And you can find our episodes every Monday morning. We release them on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.